Hey everybody, what is going on out there? Friday night, August the 5th, 2022. Welcome to the Fortress of Rock, episode 51. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard for another weekend of discussions about the best of rock and roll, past, present, and hopefully future. For all the people out there that say rock and roll is dead, kiss my behind. We will figure it out. We will make it happen. Segment one, as always, news of the world. Our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen. Not really a lot going on in terms of headlines. Rock and roll news couple things, though, to discuss, including one thing that just broke within the last couple hours as I'm taping this podcast episode. Big, big news, and it's bad news for those of us in the classic rock community. We talked about the fact that Whitesnake was having health issues, and they pretty much canceled their European tour due to said issues. Now the bad, bad news, what we were all fearing has come down, it has come to pass. Whitesnake is dropping out of the North American tour with the Scorpions. David Coverdale is having respiratory issues that he's just having a hard time overcoming. I really, really don't want to see White Snake go out this way. I would hope, despite everything that David Coverdale has said, he will make good on his promise. He will give us some sort of a farewell tour. I know he wants to keep White Snake going in the studio. He admits. He is frail. He is human. He wanted to wrap all the touring up. But boy, this is just a bad, bad way for White Snake to go out. If he can't muster the troops, get them back together again, maybe a 2023 second run, give Europe their shows, give North America their shows, Again, I understand you get to a certain point, you start to to deal with mortality, you start to deal with health issues. Anybody over the age of 50 understands what is going on right now with David Coverdale, but this would be just such a disappointing way for Whitesnake to go out. I really hope that they somehow figure out a way, go out with somebody else next year, whether it's an Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne, whoever it might be, get out there next year. Give the North American fans and the European fans one more final run. But once again, 
what we want first and foremost is everybody in White Snake, especially David Coverdale, to be healthy. Luckily, does not sound like this is any kind of a, a dire situation. So, that being said, get back out there next year. Suck it up, Buttercup. One more year. You can do it. I told you a couple months back I saw Tom Kiefer. Tom Kiefer had been suffering through multiple issues when it came to his health, when it came to his voice, when it came to his throat. And he sounded pretty much as awesome as he has ever sounded when I saw him earlier this year. If he can do it, so can David Coverdale. In one of the biggest ironic situations of all time, at least that's how I look at it, Vince Neal of Motley Crue actually gets to sing on the main stage at the Grand Ole Opry. Vince Neal sang Home Sweet Home on one of the most iconic stages in America. You could say the Hollywood Bowl. You could say Madison Square Garden. Grand Ole Opry's got to be up there in the top three. I have not listened to his performance. I'm kind of trying to shy away from anything that might spoil the stadium tour show I am seeing in a week and a half in Indianapolis. I saw Motley Crue on their farewell tour and I was not impressed with Vince Neal and his voice. So let's just leave it at that. I'm just hoping and praying that somehow he still has the energy. He has somehow figured out a way to nurse his voice to the point where he will not embarrass himself. He will not embarrass Motley Crue on this current massive tour. Just make it through Indianapolis and then do what you will. Finally, in News of the World, as I mentioned, very brief segment this week. The passing of Mo Osteen. A lot of people out there are going to go, who is Mo Osteen? Why do we care about Mo Osteen? Next to the Motown signings of the 60s, Mo Osteen might have been in charge of the greatest era of rock and roll when it came to who he signed directly, indirectly, who his company oversaw as they brought them in. Let me give you a rundown. Let me give you a list of the acts, the bands, 
that Mo Osteen was either directly or indirectly responsible for signing for Warner Brothers Records. We start off with the Kinks and the Jimi Hendrix experience directly, directly contributed to Mo Osteen. He signed both of those bands. We get into the 70s and the 80s, even into the 90s. Fleetwood Mac, Van Halen, The Who, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Green Day, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, R.E.M., Steely Dan. Yes, I know you're overwhelmed, as am I. It makes me think. It makes me wonder about, again, something I've always talked about on the show, a theme, a recurring theme that I can't get away from is where are we now when it comes to rock and roll versus where we were? When you listen to all those bands, that Mo Osteen was able to bring in from the mid-60s through the early 90s. And now we look at the state of rock and roll today. I know a lot of you out there are going to go, well, you have to look at hip-hop and rap. Beyonce. Shakira. Jennifer Lopez. And of course, you still got the naysayers out there who say rock and roll is dead. I don't believe that. I just believe it's turning into an untapped resource. There is still an audience out there for rock and roll. There is still a loud, angry group of young men out there who still want to hear rock and roll, who still want to hear the likes of Twisted Sister and Rat and Poison and Motley Crue, somebody to channel their feelings, somebody to channel their emotions, somebody to channel their worldview. Apologies, my Alexa just went nutsy cuckoo when I mentioned one of those bands. I don't know if you guys heard that, but that was kind of fun. There should be music for everybody. Everybody. You shouldn't be called racist because you like rap or hip-hop. Or if you like hardcore tattoos on the face, heavy metal, and anything and everything in between. It's your choice. That's what makes music great. You listen to what you want. You should love the music you listen to and damn everybody else who doesn't agree with you. It's your music. Music is the most personal medium out there, movies, television, 
books. Music is the most personal of all of the mediums that creative types will use to reach you, to touch you. Well, that sounded kind of creepy, but you know what I mean. To touch your heart, to get into your emotions, to get into your feelings. I hate censorship. You know this. I hate anything involving anybody telling you you shouldn't like what you like. Or you shouldn't care about what you care about. It's your choice. Read the authors you want. Listen to the music you want. Watch the movies and the shows that you want. Yes, I know. There's a communal aspect to it where we all want to find somebody out there who agrees with us. Who understands the feelings. The emotions that these particular movies, CDs, albums, TV shows, streaming shows bring out in us. But that doesn't mean you have to sell out. Sometimes if there's that one album, that one band, that one show, that one movie that you and only you seem to get, nothing wrong with that. It's your secret. And that's awesome. And that's what makes it special. All right. That's it for segment one. Sorry. Went off on one of my patented maestro tangents. Kind of had to stretch out segment one. Like I said, it was going to be a little, little short on content. So I got there, though. Made it. To the end, decent, kind of full-length segment. Next up, lots and lots of reviews, including an album review for the band that is opening up for Vince Neil and Motley Crue, along with Joan Jett, Poison, and Def Leppard on the stadium tour in full swing right now across North America. That would be Classless Act. Also, new songs from Ozzy Osbourne, Collective Soul, and Sammy Hagar, and The Circle. All coming up in the breakdown segment. So hang out for me a little bit longer here on this Friday night. I'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown where we are going to review all the new songs all the new albums all the new concert tours the shows that i've seen personally stay tuned for that of course we're now available on spotify anchor apple stitcher Castbox, google pocket Cast, and radio public wherever you listen to your favorite podcast
Hang out, kids. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to segment two of the Fortress of Rock here on August the 5th, 2022, episode 51. Of course, if you can do math, if you understand the calendar, you know that that means next week we'll be getting close to the one-year anniversary of the Fortress of Rock. And of course, what's going to be awesome is when we hit that one-year mark, we will review the massive stadium tour we mentioned in segment one with Motley Crue, with Poison, with Def Leppard, with Joan Jett, and with this band who we are reviewing this week on the breakdown segment, Classless Act. Welcome to the show, their debut album. They are the ones, show up early. I've looked, start time is listed as 4 p.m. for my show that I'm attending in Indianapolis, Indiana. Some people say, oh, no, five. Five is Joan Jett. Four o'clock is Classless Act. So let us go through the 12 tracks of Classless Act. Welcome to the show. Number one, I admit I have a weakness for this kind of stuff. This is a an awkward move in rock and roll history. It doesn't work out all the time. I like it. I admire it. I think it's awesome. When a band has a song named after the band. My number one example of how it would be cool how it works is Night Ranger. Night Ranger has an unbelievable song on Dawn Patrol called Night Ranger. So, of course, the first song on Welcome to the Show is Classless Act. And it's a pretty damn good song. Vince Neil from Motley Crue. Lends his vocals, guest stars on the song, briefly. It's a messy, awesome song. It's all screaming, yelling, hard rock, decadence, arrogance. I really like the lead-off track, the theme song, if you will, for Classless Act. And then we get into a song that's even better, song two, even though I am not a big fan of the darkness, I've never got the whole over-the-top rock and roll parody theme. Justin Hawkins, lead singer for The Darkness, guest stars on This Is For You, but this ends up being the best song on Welcome to the Show. Very catchy. 
It rocks. Propulsive. So you're two songs in and everything's going great. And then the rest of the album just kind of falls apart. I am sad to say. Time to Bleed is weak. Gets a little better the more you listen to it, but still, I just couldn't really get into it. The guitar riff is okay. The chorus is weak. Track four on my phone is awful. It's a poppy over melodramatic honestly piece of garbage that I just never will listen to again. Then you get All That We Are, Like Time to Bleed, a little bit better the more you listen to it, but still not great. The, the chorus is somewhat catchy. Then you get to track six, Made in Hell. Yeah, this song was made in hell because it's awful. It is awful. It's a chaotic mess. The guitar is maybe redeemable. But otherwise, easily, easily out of the 12 tracks on Welcome to the Show, Made in Hell is by far the worst. Track seven is Storm Before the Calm. Again, some good guitar work. A moderately decent song. Nothing great, nothing awful. And then we get Haunting Love, which just bored me to tears. Not very good. Again, the guitar may be passable. And then, no, it's not Green Day, but track nine is Walking Contradiction. Much better guitar hook, much better song. Probably the only decent song on the second half of this album. Give It To Me is moderately okay. Moderately catchy, but nothing exemplary, out of the ordinary, great. And then the last two songs, Circles and Thoughts from a Dying Man, are just dull, 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 boring, boring, boring. Especially Thoughts from a Dying Man, almost melodramatic Beatle-type stuff. I think you can tell by my review that I was not a big fan of Classless Acts. Welcome to the show. There are very, very, very good songs on this album, but for the most part, very, very, very dull, boring songs on this album. Maybe they will be a little better in concert when I see them on the stadium tour in a week and a half. We'll see. All right, next up is 
the second release from Ozzy Osbourne's upcoming Patient Number no. 9 album due out in September. This is Degradation Rules. And this is not a great song. Again, I'm worried about where Ozzy Osbourne is going. This is not the edgy, creative Ozzy Osbourne from the early 80s that I grew up with. Blizzard of Oz, Bark at the Moon, Diary of a Madman. This is really generic, boring, dare I say, uncreative Ozzy Osbourne, just playing by the rules, painting by numbers, just is not coming up with anything exciting or original anymore. And I know he's old. He's in his 70s. I get it. I get it. But don't go out there and don't perform and don't put out new music if you can't make that new music, those new performances, exciting and interesting and different. Of course, Degradation Rules has his old bandmate from Black Sabbath, Tony Iommi, in on guitar. That gives it a little bit more of an edge, makes it a little bit more exciting, a little bit better than the title track from Patient Number 9 that we reviewed a couple weeks back here on The Fortress. But still, I hate to say it because he's a legend, but Ozzy Osbourne has become boring. He has become boring beyond belief. There are guys that are his age Bruce Springsteen, as much as I give him a hard time for all the other crap he pulls, he's still interesting. You too, they're still interesting. Ozzy just doesn't sound interesting anymore. And I don't know, we're two songs in now. Usually by the second release... I can make a decision whether I'm looking at a great album or a boring album. I'm scared to death that patient number nine is going to be boring. However, we move on to Collective Soul, the second release from their upcoming album, coming out one week from today, vibrating. I had my reservations. I did not know where to go after I heard all our pieces. A little poppy, a little generic, a little too radio-friendly for me, but not terrible, not bad, never Never criticized it. Now, Cut the Cord comes out. Cut the Cord is harder, edgier. Dare I say, one of the last attempts for Collective Soul 
to be a rock and roll band, pure and simple. And it is great. It is awesome. Got a little punk vibe to it. If you want to go down that road, Cut the Cord is fantastic. That makes me, as the second single off of Vibrating, want to hear the album. All right, and finally, what we've got here in the breakdown segment, our tribute to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers each and every week is the new song, finally, from Sammy Hagar and the Circle. Rumors have been bouncing around for months about the new album. I just saw them in concert a few months back. They played nothing new. But Sammy said there was new stuff coming. The tour is the Crazy Times Tour. So... Where is Crazy Times? The song, the album, give us something, anything, and now, lo and behold, we get the title track from the upcoming album, Crazy Times, from Sammy Hagar and The Circle. Check out the album cover. One of the coolest album covers I've seen in a long, long time. The title track from the new album is cool as hell. Little different. Sammy's trying to tell everybody, oh, I'm doing new stuff. I'm going off on different paths. It's still Sammy. It's still the circle. It's still really, really cool, creative, awesome rock and roll. All four band members featured in one way or another on this song. That's probably what makes it coolest of any other attribute, of any other compliment I could give it, is that all four members are featured at one point or another. Jason Bonham, Vic Johnson, Michael Anthony, and of course, Sammy Hagar. Diehard Sammy Hagar fans might not like it as much. Because it does dip into the creative well a little bit. But it's not out there. It's not freaky. It's not U2 Zuropa era. U2 pop era. It's just good, solid, creative rock and roll. You've got to check out Crazy Times from Sammy Hagar and the Circle, and this is a great, great precursor to the album coming out at the end of September here in 2022. All right, that'll wrap up Breakdown for this week. Got a lot to talk about here in segment three. I want to go back, our look at anniversaries, birthdays, and moments in classic rock history. So hang out, stay tuned. I'll be right back. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to 
to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. Episode 51 here, August the 5th, 2022. Thanks for hanging out with me on your Friday night. I want to go back, segment three, our look back at classic moments in rock history, anniversaries, birthdays, paying tribute to those that laid the foundation for the classic music, the bands, the performers that you and I know and love. Starting off with birthdays. August the 5th, 1964, unfortunately, MCA from the Beastie Boys, Adam Yawk, died in 2012. This would have been his birthday today. The Beastie Boys are one of the few rap bands that I acknowledge as cool. One of the few rap bands I can listen to without throwing up in my mouth a little bit. Sabotage. Fight for your right to party. Brass Monkey. Rap music doesn't have to be nasty, misogynistic, divisive, like I feel most of it is nowadays. The Beastie Boys showed us that you could actually listen to rap music and not have to declare a side. Some people will disagree with me on that. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, but I feel like rap music divides us. I feel like it tears us apart. And I think the Beastie Boys were one of the few bands that showed us that it didn't have to. Rap music did not have to tear us apart. August the 5th, 1959, 63 years old today. Arguably the goofiest member of the Foo Fighters, Pat Smear. If you've seen Studio 666, you know what I'm talking about when I call him Goofy. I think he would actually take that as a compliment. He's arguably the most endearing member of the Foo Fighters. Happy birthday to my man, Pat Smear. 
going back to August the 5th of 1955, Eddie Fingers Ojeda of Twisted Sister, 67 years old today. Of course, one of the guitar players in that legendary 80s hair metal band. Now, here's where I will say, as much as I love my 80s music, as much as I love Brat and Poison and Motley Crue, and all of the music that came out of the 80s and the MTV generation. I never liked Twisted Sister all that much. Confession. Deep, dark confession. They went too far with the makeup. They went too far with the the clothes. And then they were never really that good, in my opinion, musically to pull it off. It it felt like they wanted to be Kiss. It felt like they wanted to be Motley Crue. And they, they never could find a common ground between the two. And I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing we're not going to take it. And I want to rock. And I know they're legends on the East Coast. I get it. But there are certain bands. You can't love every band from a certain genre. There are going to be strong ones and there are going to be weak ones. And I just feel like Twisted Sister is one of the weak ones when it comes to the 80s hair bands. I I just don't get it. I don't get the appeal. And I love Dee Snyder. Don't get me wrong. I think he's fantastic. He is the flag bearer for 80s rock and roll. But I don't think Twisted Sister ever found their true identity. I don't think they ever figured out who they wanted to be. And that's why I say they kind of fell between the cracks. Were they Motley Crue? Were they Kiss? With the makeup. For me, it just didn't work. Finally, when it comes to birthdays, going back to August the 5th of 1947, 75 years old, as we tape this, Rick Derringer. Rick Derringer could be one of those overlooked rock legends. He could be one of the most overlooked when it comes to his contributions to rock and roll in the history of rock music. He has ties to my home state, Indiana, so I have to give him props and credit for that. Grew up in Union City, Indiana, over on the eastern border east of Indianapolis, south of Fort Wayne. That's where he formed 
the McCoys, who had the massive, massive hit. Hang on, Sloopy. He played with Edgar Winter and Johnny Winter. And, of course, on his own, his big hit, which I still hear around here to this day on the radio almost every day. If you turn on one of the classic rock stations around here, you will hear rock and roll, hoochkoo. And I love the song. I just do. I, I, I can't get enough of rock and roll hoochie-coo. It's almost like a saying around here. Rock and roll hoochie-coo. Happy birthday to Rick Derringer. Moving on to anniversaries. I am cheating on one. This week, going back a couple days to August the 3rd of 1987, because this is a big, big anniversary. The 35th anniversary of the release of Def Leppard's Hysteria. If you guys haven't figured it out by now, I am a big Def Leppard fan. Hysteria is not my favorite by any means. I'll take High and Dry or Pyromania any day of the week over Hysteria, but even I have to admit that Hysteria solidified Def Leppard as a massive, multi-million dollar selling band in America, if not across the world. We've talked about the stadium tour. We've talked about Motley Crue, Joan Jett, Classless Act, Poison, the bands they're playing with. But Def Leppard could make the claim, along with Joan Jett, hey, we're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Going back to August the 5th, as we tape here, August the 5th, 2022, in 1992, on this day, unfortunately, Toto's drummer and noted session drummer, Jeff Picaro, died at the young age of 38 years old. And believe it or not, even though a lot of you will mock me, a lot of you will scoff. Number one, Toto was underrated. Toto 4 especially, that album does not get the credit it deserves for being one of the greatest albums of the 1980s. But if you look at Jeff Pocaro and look at the albums he played on, the people he played with as a session drummer. Because remember, Toto was basically put together from a bunch of West Coast session players 
who basically got tired of being session players and wanted to create a band, create something different. Look at look at everybody those guys played with and look at who Jeff Percaro played with. You can't feel, I hate to say this, you can't feel 100% bad for him because he did this to himself. He had a heart attack based on the wear and tear that drugs and alcohol had put on his heart. So in that sense, I can't feel sorry. I'm sorry, I can't. But at the same time, you you feel bad because you lost such an incredible musical talent. Kind of an awkward segue going all the way back to August the 5th, 1972, because, of course, we have discussed Steven Tyler's problems with addiction the fact that Aerosmith has had to postpone and cancel parts of their residency in Las Vegas. This year was supposed to be for them a celebration. This year was supposed to be their 50th anniversary tour. Rock it out in Vegas afterwards maybe a a world tour to celebrate 50 years of aerosmith because on this day august the 5th 1972 this is when they signed with cbs records for a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars Many will argue that Aerosmith is the greatest American rock and roll band of all time. I would say Van Halen. Some would side with me. Some would side with Aerosmith. There might be some others out there who say CCR. I just hope Aerosmith can get everything together. Steven Tyler can get his act together. So we get one final run with Aerosmith. We know Joey Kramer's having issues right now. His wife just died. That all being said, and all the the breakups and all the the makeups that we've seen with Aerosmith. This seems like the band that can get back together. The original lineup can get back together and make one final run. And that would be awesome. Let's hope it happens. 
Then finally, going back all the way back in time to August the 5th of 1957. This is where I date myself. A lot of the older listeners out there will agree with me on this. Younger ones are going to go, what the hell is he talking about? My daughter, 20 years old, would probably look at me acting like, Dad, what the hell are you talking about? That's sad. That's really sad because August the 5th, 1957 was the first airing in the United States of American Bandstand. American Bandstand is such an iconic show. Was it awkward at times? Was it goofy with the lip syncing? Of course it was. Lip syncing was all the rage through the MTV era. American Bandstand actually was before its time, if you think about it. American Bandstand launched in 1957, ended up going national, ended in 1989. To me, that was the end of an era. And I didn't watch American Bandstand every week. I've mentioned on The Fortress in the past, I listened to American Top 40 with Casey Kasem every chance I could. I'm a stats guy. I'm a sports guy. So knowing where songs ranked in the top 40 in the country meant more to me than what a bunch of teeny boppers thought when Dick Clark stuck a microphone in their mouth and said, hey, Thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you think? Is the new Donna Summer song awesome or not? Now, the concept still was awesome. The concept was still very cool. The dancing kids on the stage, not so much. I never got that, never understood that. We've seen sitcoms, TV shows, movies make fun of it, kind of tweak it, kind of go wink, wink at the fact that we all knew it was kind of stupid. But American Bandstand was the precursor for MTV. It was the, the show that led us into the video age. Think about Carson Daly. Think about the show. Now, I I tuned out at that time on MTV. The music had gone downhill. The channel had gone downhill. But wasn't the Daily Countdown on MTV 
with Carson Daly, just kind of some bizarre, awkward version of American Bandstand. I think it was. Everybody always likes to think they can rate stuff. They can they can tell you what's good, what's not good. We all think we know better than everybody else. Look at Instagram, look at TikTok. Look at this podcast. I'm telling you right now. As much as I like to think this is a collaborative effort, in the end, it's about me. I'm telling you what I like, what you should like. Is it arrogant? Sure. I don't think it's obnoxious. But it's arrogant. It's egotistical. Anybody who does their own show host their own show or gets on a performance show to try to win a contest to show everybody they're better than the other contestants, it's egotistical. Just know your role. I understand my role. Dick Clark was the man. Just like Simon Cowell, just like Ryan Seacrest. But Dick Clark was better than those guys. Dick Clark was more personable because back then in the 60s and the 70s, you had to carry the show. There were fewer outlets. You had to have a better personality. You had to be more likable. Ryan Seacrest is a piece of cardboard, a piece of wet cardboard with two legs. And Simon Cowell is not much better. He's an arrogant piece of wet cardboard with two legs. But Dick Clark had personality. Dick Clark made us feel welcome when we let the band stand into our houses and our homes one time a week. And all those kids were dancing. And then we got to see the coolest acts and the coolest bands. Yes, even Van Halen was on American Bandstand. I think it's fitting the show ended in 1989. That seems like the appropriate time. Could you see... Guns N' Roses being on American Bandstand. Axl Rose slash Axl showing up 20 minutes late for the taping. Kurt Cobain. I think 1989 was about the perfect time for American Bandstand to call it quits. But that being said, I don't want to hear anybody ever disparage that show. That show, again, along with Casey Kasem's radio show, American Top 40, is part of the culture, part of the the growing up process for people like me 
who grew up in the 70s and the early 80s. Those were parts of our life. American Bandstand, American Top 40. That's why every week I, I bemoan and I cry and I bitch and I piss and I moan about how Billboard has fucked up everything. Pardon my French. I shouldn't have dropped the F-bomb, but... Billboard has screwed everything up. We used to be able to get a reasonable look at what was selling and what was popular in this country, and now we don't because they've skewed things so far, like everything else in our society, too far the other way. They basically have tried to kill rock and roll. You won't get a rock and roll album in the top 40 anymore. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be Guns N' Roses, who are still immensely popular. Even the Foo Fighters struggle to get a number one album now, which I think is garbage, which I think is BS. Because Billboard says it so. I still think now with Spotify, with Pandora, with Tidal, there's a different path to success. There's a different way to success. And even though the media outlets out there still think that Billboard is the way to judge whether an act, a band, an album, a song is successful, I don't buy it. We don't have MTV anymore. We don't have American Bandstand anymore. We don't have American Top 40 anymore. But I'm telling you, we will find a way to go back to those times, those better times, those more innocent times when we could listen to rock and roll. We knew what was popular among all of us, black, white, didn't matter creed, color, race, religion. We will find a way where everybody is represented. Everybody gets a say in what's popular, what sells, what we're listening to and what we're not. I have faith it will happen. Rolling Stone, Billboard, be damned. All right, got to wrap up. Segment four coming. Going to tell you what we've got for you next week. We've got a lot, a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple weeks. Wrap it up is coming up next. Hang out just a couple more minutes with me, kids. The Fortress of Rock will be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. 
the last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, kids. Thanks for hanging out with me through a ragged, disjointed Fortress of Rock this week. Episode 51, August the 5th, 2022, wrapping up here Friday night. Go out, have some fun here when you're done listening to me. Responsible, safe fun, but have fun nonetheless. Of course, the whole weekend is yours. Next week, you want to get the jump on me? You want to get ahead of the maestro, listen to some of this stuff before I do? Go for it because next week, finally, we're going to review the second album of 2022 from Jack White, Entering Heaven Alive, more acoustic, a little bit more mellow. So looking forward to that two weeks from tonight. Collective Souls Vibrating. We'll have a review of that. Now, the album actually comes out a week from tonight. The album comes out August the 12th. So you have a full week to listen to it along with me before I give you my review. Singles that we're going to be reviewing here in the next couple weeks. King's X. Second release from their upcoming album is Give It Up. David Lee Roth, blatant, obvious tribute. Watch the video, if you don't believe me, for Van Halen. And of course, the passing of Eddie Van Halen. The song is Nothing Could Have Stopped Us Back Then Anyway. Bush has got a new song out, More Than Machines. We will review that within the next couple weeks here on the Fortress of Rock. And then finally, my band, one of my favorite bands out right now, Alter Bridge, second release from their upcoming album, Pawns and Kings, is Silver Tongue. Within the next two weeks, we will have a review of that for you. And of course, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, two weeks from tonight, my review of the stadium tour with Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, Joan Jett, and Classless Act. Coming up on the concert front over the next few months. We will have Stone Temple Pilots live in South Bend. 
we will have Judas Priest and Queensryche live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Stone Temple Pilots coming up in September. Judas Priest, Queensryche coming up in October. As always, we try to keep things interesting, new, fresh here on the Fortress of Rock. Once again, I apologize. This has been kind of a mess of an episode. A little bit disjointed. Hopefully you couldn't tell. I've edited. I've cut. I've pasted. I've done all the things that the wonders of modern technology would allow me to do to make this the best episode I could. Love doing this each and every week for you guys. Once again, I'm the maestro. You guys have a great weekend. I will check you out next Friday night. Take care, kids.